Uh, my greeting uh, to Josh is good to see you all this morning as we are here to worship the Lord together and to enjoy his fellowship and the fellowship that we have together in him also. Let's turn our attention now to God's word. Our Old Testament reading is Isaiah 29, 1 through 14. Isaiah 29, 1 through 14. This is the word of God, so let's give it all our attention now. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel, the city where David dwelt. Add year to year, let feasts come around. Yet I will distress Ariel. There shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be to me as Ariel. I will encamp against you all around. I will lay siege against you with a mound, and I will raise siege works against you. You shall be brought down, you shall speak out of the ground, your speech shall be low, out of the dust, your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground, and your speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust, and the multitude of the terrible ones like chaff that passes away. Yes, it shall be in an instant, suddenly. You will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. The multitude of all the nations who fight against Aria, even all who fight against her and her fortress and distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall, be, uh, it shall even be as when a, man, uh, when a hungry man dreams, and look, he eats, but he awakes, and his soul is still empty. Or as when a thirsty man uh, dreams, and look, he drinks, but he awakes, and indeed he is faint, and his soul still craves. So the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men, Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Very terrible prophecy of the Lord uh, to the people of, uh, people of Judah, especially the city of Jerusalem, through the mouth of Isaiah there, for their hypocrisy, their unbelief. Uh, the show they made of covenant faithfulness while underneath was a heart full of idolatry and self-love. Um, and it's that prophecy that our Lord Jesus picks up on now in our New Testament reading here in Matthew chapter 15, 1 through 20. And so let's read now Matthew 15, 1 through 20. And the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, 
And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever, I, whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. To eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Pray now with me. Lord, let not our eyes be blind. Let not our ears be deaf. Let not our hearts be insensitive and and hard and impermeable. But Lord, open our eyes. Open our ears. Open our hearts. Humble us before You. That we might receive Your Word as our food and drink, as the very words of life. Lord, we pray that You would, by Your sovereign grace, teach us. Give us understanding. Give us life in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. When I was, uh, when I was in high school, I, I enjoyed running some, and I always had this goal of getting a, a, a sub-five mile, running a mile in, in under five minutes, because my dad had done that. Uh, so it was my, my idea that I was going to do that too um, and uh, try to even beat his time. But I never could get there, probably because I wasn't self-disciplined enough about uh, about putting in the work that needed to happen to do that. But there was this one summer at summer camp where there was a, a road race. And um, I signed up for the road race, ran the road race. It was a mile. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I, I easily ran a sub-five mile. I'd never done it before. And I was, uh, I was thrilled. Right? I was so happy. But then it turned out that everybody had suspiciously fast times on this race. And it actually hadn't been a full mile. Um, it, it was measured wrong. Um, now, I, I had, I had uh, been pretty pleased with myself, right? Um, I liked the old standard. I, I, I liked the standard that had been there before. Um, I, I, I wanted to be measured by, by, by that standard, right? The, the not full mile standard. Call it a mile, but it's not a mile, right? Uh, I did not want to be measured by the real standard. 
loved ones, this is, this is what we do with God's law as well. As long as we're measuring ourselves by the real standard, we don't pass, we don't do well, right? We look pretty bad in light of the real standard. Um, his law makes our, our sin obvious. So what do we do? Well, come up with our own standard, right? Get our own measuring stick, our own length, right? That, that, that we'll run by, that we'll, that we'll live by. Uh, something that we can actually receive and, and do pretty well at and pat ourselves on the back for. Um, we set this standard of, of good behavior for ourselves that we can reach so that we don't have to deal with God's law and we can feel that we are righteous in ourselves. We, we, we take externals and we make them the essence of the law of God. And then we, we also take that, and once we're, we're feeling good about ourselves and the standards we've set for ourselves, we then start to measure other people by those standards. And if they don't have the same ones, we start to get uh, critical of, of them and feel even better still about ourselves. And this is what's going on in, 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 the, in the context here in Matthew's Gospel. This is what the Pharisees are doing. This is what they're teaching others to do around them. Um, uh, and Jesus has no patience for it at all. He calls it out. He says, you're, you're, you're acting like hypocrites. Um, uh, that, that you've, you've, you've spread this veneer of obedience over yourselves. But it's thin, it's flimsy, and underneath is the, uh, the rotten core of, uh, of no real love to God, no real commitment to obey Him. You're just wearing a mask. And so in the text here this morning, loved ones, Jesus is, is calling us as well to, to pay attention, to, to look at ourselves and, and realize our hypocrisy. And repent of our hypocrisy. And to seek a, a holiness in Him that reaches down into our hearts. Beyond the surface of these things. Two headings as we consider this text together this morning. The first one is hypocrisy unmasked. Hypocrisy unmasked in the first nine verses here of Matthew 15. Um, as, as the text picks up, chapter 15, we're, we're taken back to the conflict between Jesus and the Jewish uh, religious leaders. Um, we, we've seen this conflict. It gets ratchet, it's, it's continued to ratchet up throughout the Gospel of Matthew um, uh, since chapter 12, uh, where the Jewish leaders accused Jesus of being empowered by Satan himself. Right, since then, this conflict has been, has been growing. Uh, they're actively plotting against him. And as chapter 15 starts, we're told that the Jews, the Pharisees, come up from Jerusalem uh, to him. He's up in Galilee, uh, where he's ministering at this time. Uh, but they send these Pharisees, this, this, uh, they, they come up from Jerusalem to find him and try to catch him in something, try to, try to, try to thwart his ministry, uh, try to find a charge that will stick against him. So they're watching him, looking, you know, waiting for him to slip so they can, they can catch him in it. Um, and they see his disciples eating food without washing their hands. Um, now, the issue here is not personal hygiene, right? Uh, uh, this is something that we drill into our kids all the time. Wash your hands before you eat, uh, because that way you don't get sick. Uh, but that's not really what's, what's going on here. The issue is that the Pharisees have an elaborate set of rules about what gets washed and when it gets washed. And it's all for the purpose of ceremonial cleanness um, before, before God. And, and for them, you, you show your devotion to God by how carefully you keep these external rules, these traditional rules of, of ceremonial cleanness. 
And now there are plenty of rules in the Old Testament about, about being ceremonially clean and the things you need to do for those things. Uh, but but these, are, these are things that the Jews have, have added to that. Uh, in addition to what God's law says, they're, they're backing the fence up, um, giving, these, giving these extra rules. But these are something that every Jew would know, these, these rules. Um, it's tradition. It's been handed down generation after generation. So they see Jesus' disciples not following this tradition. And um, they, they should know better. They're not being good Jews. They're, they're showing that they, they don't seem to have real devotion to the Lord. And it's a sign to the, to the Jewish leaders, to the Pharisees, that Jesus is, is morally loose. Right? He's relaxed. He's, he's kind of antinomian. Right? Yeah, we don't really worry about the details of obedience to God. Um, so um, they come to him and they say, why do you break the tradition of the elders? Why are you so cavalier towards this, this, this venerable tradition that's been handed down, these, these extra rules and traditions that we have, which are so important to us? Um, how does Jesus respond to their, their question, their charge? Uh, he doesn't immediately answer their question here. Instead, he does what he often does. He asks a question in response. Um, and it's a devastating question, isn't it? He says to them, And why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. The sharpness of that. Right? This is a devastating thing for him to say back to them. We see here just his, his brilliancy and his, uh, our, 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 the force of our Lord's argument overwhelming here. He, he uh, must have left the Pharisees just stunned that he turned the question back on them like this. He's drawing this stark contrast for them. He's saying, on the one hand is God and his commandment supreme, eternal, holy, ultimate, right? And you're, you're, you're saying what's more important is our tradition. The Pharisees have this strict devotion to their tradition. But Jesus says they're actually opposing God through this very tradition. They're, they're, they're fighting him. They're on the opposite side from him. Uh, they're, they're actually breaking his commandments. All their religion and all their devotion and all their obedience is just this empty show without any substance. Um, they, 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 are, they are having this tradition by which they, they think we're going to honor the elders, uh, honor those who've come before us, honor this tradition handed down to us, but their tradition is actually causing them to, be, to break God's commandment to honor their elders. Jesus illustrates this point here for them in verses 4 to 6. He says, God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother. He's citing Exodus 20, verse 12. Um, and, then he, and then he says, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death, citing Exodus 21, 7. And then he says, uh, but, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. What's going on here? What's Jesus describing? Um, children are commanded by God's law to honor their parents. And, and how you did this in this culture especially is when your parents got older, you would, you would support them financially. You'd help them out. As, as they were unable to provide for themselves, you, you, would, you would help provide for them. Um, but that could be kind of a financial burden, right? Um, so they found this, this loophole that if you said, well, what I have is dedicated to God, um, then, then um, it would be set apart for the temple. And, and you, could kinda, you, could, you could keep that, that, that wealth, 
right? And then at your death, it'd be given to God. Um, and your parents would never see it. So uh, uh, you can, you can kind of hang on to the money, have an earmarked amount for the Lord, but then you don't have to give any to your parents. And so you get to, you get to hang on to it yourself. Um, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a stroke of legalistic genius for them to come up with this, right? Uh, you get to look spiritual. Oh, I'm giving it to the Lord, right? Uh, but underneath, it's just they want to hang on to it themselves. Um, so it's a win-win situation for them. But Jesus is furious with this. Because you've got this tradition. God says, though, honor your parents. But you're, 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 you've invented this way of, of, of flipping the command rate upside down. So you're not honoring your parents at all. You're, you're, you're dishonoring them. And in that, you're actually dishonoring the Lord by giving this money uh, to the temple instead of to, to them. Um, so he's saying to them, you're accusing me of dishonoring the elders, but you're the one who are supporting this practice of dishonoring parents. Um, so they've, they've elevated their tradition, their thoughts and opinions and agenda above the word of God. Um, and then Jesus, uh, he points this out and then he delivers the knockout punch of his argument. He quotes, uh, quotes from Isaiah. He says to uh, the Pharisees, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He's referencing this prophecy Isaiah gave to the people of Judah. Judah often kept up the pretense of worshiping the Lord, but underneath... It wasn't true devotion to him. Uh, underneath was unrighteousness and corruption and disobedience and injustice and idolatry. And so judgment's coming on them. And Jesus is seeing this prophecy fulfilled, especially uh, as the Jews of his day reject him. They, 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 can, all right, they can recite the Ten Commandments and they can say the prayers and uh, they, they know the, the Old Testament well. They call themselves devout. They thought they were worshiping the Lord, but it was all lip service, not heart service. And so Jesus says, hypocrites, brothers and sisters, ask yourselves honestly as you, as you hear this word come from his lips. Could he say that to you? Hypocrite. What a terrifying thing. He doesn't look on the outward appearance, on the rituals. He looks at your heart. What does he see as he looks at your heart? When you, come, when, you, uh, when you loved ones, when you come to worship on the Lord's Day, um, you come into His house and, and, and you're singing His word, you're singing His praises, you're taking His name on your lips. Is your whole heart in it? Is it heart service that you're bringing to the Lord or just lip service? Um, are, you, or, or are, you, are you here because it helps you feel like a good Christian to be here? Um, or, or, or those around you here will, 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 will respect you more because that you came to church. Um, when, when you pray the prayer of confession, is it, you know, your heart's in it, confessing your sin, broken, before the Lord? Or is it just words? Um, when you hear the Word of God preached, you hear the Word read, are you drinking it in like, like, like a thirsty, uh, thirsty man drinks, drinks water? Um, with all your heart hearing this word and trusting this word. Um, th this is what God asks of us and demands of us, and this is what's required of us, loved ones. 
Not just the show and the lip service and, and anything else, but a heart, your heart. What about after church ends? You go home and you're with your wife or your children or your husband. Does what you're saying there and doing there reflect the things that you say and do in the worship service? Um, is there integrity between that aspect of your life and coming to church? Um, is there, what about in your workplace? Um, um, or uh, in, in other ways you use your time? Are you loving and serving the Lord with, a, with, with your whole heart in it? Um, in other words, the, the question is, um, are you really following Jesus? Or are you just saying that you're following Jesus as a disciple? Um, Jesus, loved ones, is not impressed with fine-sounding words. Um, he sees your heart. He sees how you live. He sees how you talk to your wife and your children. He sees how you work. He sees how you uh, use your phone. He sees all of it. Does he see a wholehearted disciple of himself in you? Our hearts are quick to run to their own defense. We don't like to think of ourselves as hypocrites. We like to think of other people as hypocrites, um, but, but, not, but not ourselves. Um, the Pharisees certainly did not think of themselves this way. Um, they thought they were very serious, devoted followers of God, the most devoted followers of God. But Jesus sees right through it. He says in verse 8, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Um, the, their hypocrisy is, 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 is a sophisticated hypocrisy. Um, they, they've made these extra rules for themselves. They've made these external things for themselves, uh, trying to make themselves look extra religious, um, trying to have a really good mask, um, but none of it is, uh, none of it is, is effective. Um, uh, and loved ones, we, we do this as, as well. Uh, so we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and realize that it's His law that we are required and called to follow, that it's His word uh, that is to, to bind us. Not focus on externals and man-made rules, as the Pharisees are, are doing here. We, we, uh, even, as, even, as they, even as they were doing, we, we like to do this, right? These, this, uh, this, this substandard, our standard that we can meet. Um, uh, we can do it with religious things, right? We're good Christians because uh, we check off our Bible reading every day. Uh, we're good Christians because we, we, we give a lot to the church or, 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 or uh, we, we, uh, we come to church on time or uh, we serve in these capacities or other, other things outside of, of uh, the church as well. We're, we're good Christians. We're good people because of the clothes we wear, the clothes we don't, or the, the food we eat or the food we don't, or the, uh, the things we watch on television, the things we don't watch on television. All this becomes where we find our, selves, our sense of, of righteousness in um, now, our, our faith should inform all these things, of course. Being a disciple of Christ should inform all these things. All should be done for the glory of God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Um, but notice what Jesus says. Don't elevate your opinion, your tradition, above the Word of God. Uh, let us never let our traditions become an excuse or an obstacle to obeying the Lord. And let us never make our traditions or preferences or even private convictions into the 
standard that we set for ourselves and for others. We're very tempted to do this, to turn hypocrisy into hypercriticalness of others. Um, I was trying to think of a good example of something comparable to this. And as I was thinking about uh, a few years back, um, this is probably a bit sensitive, but, but masks um, right, became this, this issue. Uh, some on, some on, on, on one side are convicted. You know, th- this is the conviction. You know, if you're going to be a good father of Christ, you wear a mask. And somewhere on the other side, no, if you're going to be a good father of Christ, you better not wear a mask. As, right? A standard, right? And, and uh, then it becomes a virtue to wear one or not to wear one. And then not only do you make that how you feel you know, righteous or not in yourself, but then you start looking around at other people. And you start measuring them by your standard instead of God's standard. Um, and suddenly, masks became more important than the, the commandments of God. Right? Our tendency to do this, that's just one example. Uh, not bringing it up to remind you of bad memories, uh, um, but uh, just to remind you, loved ones, how quickly we operate like the Pharisees operate here, that this hypocrisy and this hypercritical nature come so easily to us, and we can do it with all kinds of things. Uh, so, so be on your guard, loved ones, against this in your heart. Why, why is this so important? Why does, why does Jesus uh, address this so carefully here, loved ones? Um, because it's, it's not breaking our own rules for ourselves that makes us guilty before God. And it's also not keeping our own rules for ourselves that makes us righteous before God. All right, it's the commandments of God that we're measured by. That's the standard by which we are either guilty or by which we are, all, uh, are, are clean. And this is Jesus' point as he turns now. He turns now in the chapter from the confrontation with the Pharisees to, uh, to the multitudes and to his disciples in the rest of the text this morning. So what I want to look at now is our second, our second heading, heart-level holiness. Heart-level holiness in verses 10 through 20. So remember that Jesus didn't ever answer the question that the Pharisees asked him when they asked him back in verse one, uh, verse two, um, he 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 uh, he he asked them a question instead. But now he does answer their question, not to them, but to the crowds, to the people around him um, that he that he calls to him. Um, he responds to their question about why his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. He says it in verse eleven. He says, "Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man." But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. It's not the food you put in your mouth. It's not the dirty hand that you're holding that food with that that makes you unclean before the sight of God. It's the words that come out of your mouth that make you unclean, make you a sinner before God. Matthew Henry has a wonderful commentary on the the whole Bible, and uh, his words here are this. He says, It is not the kind or quality of our food nor the condition of our hands that affects the soul with any moral pollution or defilement. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Romans 14, 17. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1, 15. Jesus was now beginning to teach his followers to call nothing common or unclean. We are polluted not by the meat we eat with unwashed hands, but by the words we speak from an unsanctified heart. Jesus says, put your attention here, not on what you're eating, but on what you're saying. Not not on the fact that you didn't wash your hands and and now you've somehow become unclean in God's sight. No, you've become unclean because of the words you say and the things that you do. 
don't, don't pay attention to, don't, don't focus on the external things, the rules you make for yourselves, the traditions of men. Pay attention to what's coming out of your heart, he says. We began by talking about the standards we set for ourselves to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And they can actually make, you know, make us, they can look pretty rigorous from the outside. Uh, but they, are, they, they remove the focus of our obedience from the heart. Uh, loved ones, focus, focus on the heart and your obedience to the Lord. Yes, on, on, on the actions, but, but the heart as the core and the thing that gives rise to those actions. Everything we say. Everything we do bubbles up out of our hearts like water from a spring. And if your heart, uh, if you're going to be cleansed and changed, it has to happen first there inside you, in, in, in your heart, because your sinful heart is your problem. Um, it is your greatest problem. Uh, Jesus fixes our attention to this in verse 19. It says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And he says, let me show you. Here's the, here, here's the anatomy of your heart. Here, here's the spiritual makeup of your heart. He, 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 and he, and he, uh, he references some of the Ten Commandments here. Evil thoughts and murder. That, that comes out of your heart. Uh, anger, uh, annoyance, bitterness, hatred comes out of your heart. Grudges for others, uh, disdain for others comes out of your hearts. He says, uh, adultery and fornication, lust comes out of your heart. Objectifying other people, that, that comes out of a heart uh, that's full of self-love. Theft, he says, um, comes out of your heart, right? Laziness, sloppiness in your work, it's coming out of your heart. Um, taking from others what belongs to them, misusing your time, being lazy in your duty to the Lord, it's all coming from, from your heart. Um, false witness, blasphemy. It's all coming from your heart. Lies, half-truths, deceit, exaggerations to make you look good, exaggerations to make someone else look bad. It's all coming from your proud, selfish heart. Jesus focuses our attention on the depths of the sin of our heart. He says here are words that reflect the truth of Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The situation is so much worse than we think. You can't clean a heart like that by washing your hands before you eat, he's saying. You understand? You you can't clean a heart like yours and mine by a little bit of external, outward performance and ritual. Paul makes this point in Colossians 2. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All these rules. No value to stop the sinful heart. Self-made religion and asceticism are useless against your corrupt heart. This is not what the Pharisees wanted to hear. Um, They wanted to be able to manufacture their own righteousness, and they're offended by Jesus' words. But Jesus is not surprised that they're offended. Um, He's not discouraged. He, I'm sure, expected that they would be offended by this because they are blind. 
They're dead in their sin. God has not uh, opened their eyes. Um, They haven't learned yet the first lesson in the kingdom of heaven, which is blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, They haven't learned that the only way to a cleansed and renewed and changed heart is not through themselves, not through their tradition or their law, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. Loved ones, have you learned that first lesson in the kingdom of heaven? That you are a hypocrite with a defiled heart and that the only way to clean it is to come to Christ. Not through your own work and effort. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, have you learned there's hope for your heart too? You, you learned the first lesson. My heart is desperately sick and desperately sinful. And I can't do anything about it myself. But the second lesson is just as important. That there is hope for your heart. Because Jesus didn't come proclaiming a kingdom of of a self-help program. A few steps to get you back on the right track. He came to intervene himself and save sinners. Um, This is the gospel, isn't it? He came to clean hearts. He came to shed his blood as the only sufficient cleansing for our heart. Yes, your sin runs deep all the way down, right? But His precious blood shed runs deeper, and it cleans all our sins away. He became the Lamb who was slain, whose blood cleanses every stain of sin and makes our hearts as white as snow. He didn't come to demand that we cleanse our own hearts. He came to clean them for us, to shed His blood for us so that we might, uh, we might have them clean. So, so what do we do to get a clean heart? Well, you just cry out to Jesus. You say, Lord, cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cleanse me from my sin. Wash me with the blood of Christ. You do that, loved ones. And God, by His grace, through the blood of Christ, will clean your heart. heart every impurity, all the stain of sin that has been building up there, your whole life through, gone by the grace of God in Christ. You're clean. Your heart's clean when you come to Him. All the hypocrisy, all the anger, the lust, the theft, the lies, the idolatry, all of it, clean by the blood of Christ. Before the sight of God, your heart will be as clean as the heart of Jesus when you ask Him to do this. The third thing, um, Jesus, in his gospel, not only holds out to you the promise of a heart washed clean of the defiling guilt of sin, but he also holds out the promise of a heart set free from the control of sin. Um, He cleans your heart, and then he gives you a new heart. Uh, He gives you a heavenly heart. A heart that belongs to the kingdom of heaven. A heart that belongs to the new age that he's inaugurating. Um, He he makes us born again by his life-giving spirit. He raises us up by his great resurrection power. He gives us this new life, as Paul writes in Colossians 3. Uh, so, So when you come to him, your heart doesn't belong to the old sinful ways anymore. It's not under those old... Uh, those old powers anymore. Your heart belongs to Jesus and His kingdom. So, author- uh, so, so, so anger, lust, theft, lies, all the rest of it has no claim on your heart anymore. No authority over your heart anymore. 
Um, but by His grace, you really can change. He'll strengthen you. He'll, he'll give you the, all, all that you need, loved ones, to, to not only clean your heart of, of, of the guilt of sin, but, but to give you power to take off the mask of hypocrisy and to get down in the trenches of your heart and get to work by His grace, pursuing real obedience, heartfelt devotion to the Lord to turn your attention to the commandments of God and all their depth and all their reach for God's own sake. Um, so loved ones, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to bring cleansing to your heart and also trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to take complete control of your heart and to have your heart and, and work in your heart a, a deep, deep holiness for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for all that our Lord Jesus Christ has done. We pray, Lord, that you would indeed uh, come into our hearts and be at work in our hearts to cleanse us and renew us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Let's respond now with this prayer, this hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, number 585. Let's stand. Take my life and let it be consecrated.